So a town outside Detroit, Michigan, banned pride and trans flags on government buildings in June. The ban, which was passed by unanimous city council, prohibited the flying of any religious, ethnic, racial, political, or sexual orientation group flags on the city's public properties. The mayor, Amir Khalib, stated that the ban is not targeting any particular group, but this move followed the rising religious fuel tensions over rainbow flag near City Hall. Well, welcome back to Asmith Podcast. I am your host, Kimberly McNabb. And I'm Barrett McNabb. The motion does allow for flying of five different flags on the public property. The U.S. flag. Thank, thank goodness for that. Uh, yes. uh, the Michigan state flag. The city of Hamtrek flag. The prisoner of war flag, which I commend them for. And a unique flag representing the nations from which many of the Hamtrek citizens hail from, which are primarily Middle Eastern and, and uh, Muslim uh, nations. And this decision was particularly significant as it came during the first Pride Month since Hamtrak's city council and mayoral post included all Muslim officials, LGBT plus 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 residents in Hamtrak have expressed feelings of betrayal over the council's decision. They had hoped that the city's progressiveness would extend to supporting Pride flags. Hmm. Former council city member Katrina Stackpool, who identifies as gay, mentioned that they welcomed and supported the Muslim community when they arrived in Hamtrak, and they expected the same in return. That's that's really interesting because, um, you know, a few years ago, there were a lot of municipalities, uh, cities, counties, um, and even some states that were worried that majority uh, Muslim majority populations would start implementing and taking over government and implementing Sharia law, and uh, you know which is based on on Islam. And uh, so, a lot of municipalities uh, and counties passed laws that said, "Hey, look, you know, under no way, shape, or form are we going to allow Sharia law um, to um, be." part of part of our legal system and so there was uh you know this epiphany that i had and again this is this is probably four or five years ago um and it was kind of this this dream that um there was a an elevated court uh in session and and on the panel uh, of the the justices were um muslim majority justices and they were trying uh, a um, Hasidic Jew. Uh, they were trying a um, uh, a gay uh, female. Um, they were trying, um, you know, other minority groups, and they were passing judgment. And in this in this dream that that I had, it was, uh, but we supported you. That the the people were saying that we we supported you. We op- welcomed you with with open arms. Um, and the the judge justices respond. And we thank you for that. But now it's our turn. And, um, you know, it's it's just kind of interesting that four or five years later, uh, we have a uh, city council that is 100 percent Muslim. And we they are, you know, making uh, banning, you know, certain things that that protected them, uh, people that welcomed them into into uh, with open arms. And uh, the tables have have have, uh, have certainly turned. Yeah, people make the mistake that other people also shared their values. The council consists completely of Muslims, and Muslims do not 
believe in homosexuality. Yeah, and you know you have to be very careful about that. Um, you know, as as a foreign area officer and 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 traveling back and forth to the Middle East um, multiple times, there's there's two big things. There's uh, you know drugs um, and uh, homosexuality and. Whether that's it's right, wrong, uh, indifferent, that's just their culture, mm-hmm. um, and so it, it's very difficult to impress uh, American values of acceptance um, for everybody uh, onto you know p- other countries' culture. Uh, that's what makes their cult- their countries unique. And uh, I remember getting a visa uh, in the Saudi Arabian embassy uh, that was in UAE for me to go to Riyadh and and, and visit uh, Saudi Arabia. And in the waiting room of where you get your visas, there is a huge painted banner on the um, on the the wall that's above the glass. That you know, like if you go in into a DMV and and everybody's or a bank, everybody's behind glass and things like that. Well, the the, the workers um, uh, for the embassy and the consulate were were behind glass, but right above their glass, it says "Death to Drug Dealers." Okay, so I mean, they're they're letting you know in advance that if you uh, come into their country and, and you deal drugs, um, it's going to be the death penalty. And the same thing goes for for homosexuality. Um, I mean, these are countries where they still stone people to death, mm-hmm. um, and and that's actually a thing. Um, and they still do uh, beheadings in in public squares. Um, I mean, it's it's still a thing. And so um, you know, it's just you know, it's hard for us to 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 really impart our values on that particular region. And so you would have to think that we're a melting pot and when people come into the country and, and they uh, don't necessarily assimilate, um, they're going to bring their culture and their values with them as well. And um, so this is a, um, you know, an exact uh, representation of, of that. Yep. And with 7 million illegal immigrants, probably not going to need to assimilate. Yeah, it's going to be difficult for them um, uh, to, to come in. And, and, you know, ultimately what we want is we're a, we're a nation of, of immigrants, um, legal immigrants. Um, and we did, uh, you know, expect um, Italian Americans and Irish Americans and and uh, African Americans and um that are coming in now, um, uh, European Americans, Asian Americans, uh, to assimilate. Uh, and, and share our values. Yeah, sh- share our values. And um, again, we're a melting pot, but we still have uh, values that, that need to be common uh, amongst all, all of our citizens. But, you know, the, the flag ban in, in Hamtrak has already shown signs of selective enforcement. Uh, when Mayor Khalib uh, claims that it was about maintaining neutrality, he allowed the Pan-African flag during the Juneteenth celebration, and it seems a little contradictory. Uh, despite the flag uh, flown on public property should not have any religious, ethnic, racial, political, or sexual orientation group flags, the Pan-African flag is a racial flag um, and is thus, uh, you know, the LGBTQ plus community feels that this ban kind of singles them out for discrimination. And I can kind of see their point. Yeah, well, the mayor justified it by justified the allowing of the Pan-African flag uh, is that the Juneteenth event was agreed upon long before the ban was voted on. The organizers taped the flag to 
the post of a park pavilion instead of flying it in a parade or putting it on a pole. And the mayor did state that such displays would not be allowed after this Juneteenth event. So this is kind of just, you know, we're going to allow it this one time and then Mm -hmm. we're not going to allow it anymore. Right. Okay. Uh, But this is not an isolated ban either. In recent years, many school boards, including two in California, have debated banning the LGBT plus, 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 plus uh, pride flags from schools, citing concerns about favoritism. Civil rights advocates argue that such flags are protected expression under the Constitution. Jay Blotcher, co-founder of the Gilbert Baker Foundation, an LGBTQ advocacy group named after the creator of the pride flag, noted that the real focus of these bans appears to be on the pride flag, with other flags also being banned as part of this effort. So other flags are being banned. On one hand, yes, we have the First Amendment with free speech. However, it can be argued that when having to explain to children what the rainbow flag stands for, then comes the explanation of what gay, lesbian, LMNOP mean. Um, Our son, when he was about four, saw a rainbow flag in a neighbor's yard and asked, Mommy, what country is that for? And why do we have the United States flags, but they get to have the fun rainbow flag? Yeah, you know, because kids love rainbows. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the... The importance of, of flags, um, you know, is is as ancient as as uh, nation states. I mean, mm-hmm. being able to 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 have a, a flag or a family coat of arms or or a, a city state flag, um, you know, from antiquity, it's 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 part of part of your your identity, and and flags mean mean different things. And you know, we have the United States flag. Um, and we, you know, it's the highest flag that that flies. But, you know, we've we've had instances, especially here in Houston, Texas, um, about I want to say it was 25, 30 years ago, there was a group of uh, high schoolers um, that were um, had come across the border. Uh, they had, uh, you know, were attending public schools. And it was made the news, and, and they uh, took down the American flag and flew the Mexican flag in its place above a Houston public school. And, you know, it caused quite a bit of controversy um, because it could be considered that this is treason or even an act of war by, by taking a government building and replacing the American flag with the Mexican flag. And I'll be honest, I don't know what, exactly what happened uh, to those uh, those um, teenagers that that did that, um, but we just just a few days ago um, we have uh, you know illegal immigrants from Venezuela that are coming in now. Now Biden has has granted uh, you know uh, temporary amnesty to uh, or not amnesty but temporary protections and work work rights visas uh, for about a hundred thousand Venezuelans that are that are here, but but. Just a few days ago, uh, illegal immigrants from Venezuela raised a Venezuelan flag on uh, the United States. 
uh, properties that are coming over. It was an island in the middle of the Rio Grande River, but it it does belong to the United States, and uh, and so, you know, here we are. We're in Texas. We're in the United States, and and we're having, um, you know, foreign um, uh, illegal immigrants raising their country of Oregon origins flags on our soil, and you know, it's it's a problem. So. Um, this city council recognizing that that flags mean things yeah. is uh, you know is is just really interesting. But but you know getting back to um, the rainbow flag, um, you know it's 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 hard to explain to children sometimes. And you know you want children to be as as innocent as they can be uh, for as long as you uh, as they can. I mean they're they're yeah. children. They don't need to know any type of sexual orientation um they don't need to know anything they just need to, yeah. to be able to, to just playground that play, should be their whole world yeah just, just <laughs> playground <laughs> play, doing the playground <laughs> and legos uh so you know i was wondering what is the origin of the rainbow flag the original gay pride flags were first flown at the S- san francisco gay freedom day parade on june 25th 1978 oh, quite some time ago yeah yeah uh, before this iconic moment, the Nazis had used the pink triangle to identify and stigmatize men interned as homosexuals in concentration camps. Wanting to move away from this symbol of oppression, the community sought a new emblem. You can't blame them. Yeah. Uh, Creator Gilbert Baker chose the rainbow motif because the rainbow has a spectrum of colors and like there is a spectrum of human sexuality. While some have speculated that Baker may have been inspired by the Judy Garland song, Over the Rainbow, okay. uh, Baker himself mentioned that his inspiration came more from the Rolling Stones song, She is a Rainbow. Okay. There are Christian groups who are trying to reclaim the rainbow flag, the rainbow, because a rainbow was God's promise to not flood the earth again. Uh, but I doubt they're going to have much success reclaiming it because it has been used for 45 years. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword, I'd say. I mean, on one hand, they're displaying only the, the flags of the government, um, you know, from the city council. But on the other, um, they're, they're being exclusionary um, by selectively using their country of origin uh flag. compilation flag yeah and so i mean it's it's it, you know not everyone in the city uh came from a muslim country so it's it's kind of like they're assimilating but they're kind of not quite mm-hmm. uh doing it it does it it doesn't seem as um inclusive as as it could be i think if they had just stopped at the prisoner of war flag um you know going down the order of merit list uh they probably would have been a little bit better off yeah but that uh, concludes this segment of uh, Azimuth Podcast. Please stay tuned after these messages. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy our show with all the stories we share, we would love your support. And it's as easy as clicking that subscribe or follow button. This will ensure you never miss an episode and keeps us bringing you these important stories. Your support makes a huge difference. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast family. Thanks, and keep tuning in. All that sparkles does not shine.
Let us confess our faith today in the words of the Sparkle Creed. Sparkle. I believe in the non-binary God whose pronouns are plural. I believe in Jesus Christ, their child, who wore a fabulous tunic and had two dads fabulous? and saw everyone as a sibling child of God. I believe in the rainbow spirit who shatters our image of one white light and refracts it into a rainbow of gorgeous diversity. Sounds like some kids are not buying in into this. <laughs> They're smarter than the adults. As numerous, creative, and resilient as patches on the AIDS quilt whose feet the are grounded AIDS, in mud AIDS quilt? whose eyes That's gaze at the stars in wonder. I believe in the calling to each of us that love is love is love. So, beloved, let us love. I believe, glorious God, help my unbelief. Amen. It sounds oh. like a fallen angel wrote that. <laughs> I'll be honest. That's, that's, uh, that's, wow. Yeah. Well, welcome to Asmith Podcast. I am your host, Kimberly. And I'm Barrett. So, how, how did this come about? Uh, I know this did not come from some hippie commune in California. The Sparkle Creed was drafted back in June 2021 by Rachel Smalls Stokes, a queer-identifying minister of the United Church of Christ. Small Stokes explained in its backstory, I was a voice to texting the Apostles' Creed to a colleague, and it translated as the Sparkle Creed. I decided that's exactly what we need for Pride Month. I thought the autocorrect changing... F's to ducks was bad enough. <laughs> I heard this a few months ago, and probably like you, I had a hard time processing it. Yeah. Uh, but I have been d- a little disappointed by some of really well-known and very intelligent uh, podcasters' responses. Yeah, bewildered facial expressions are mildly entertaining, but what makes this outlandish, to say the least? Well, I could say a lot on this especially relating to its fallacies, back to this thing called the Bible. But I've narrowed it down to just five sparkles, as I call just them. Just only five? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I could say a lot on this, especially relating to its fallacies, back to this thing called the Bible. But I have managed to narrow it down to just five sparkles, as o- I call them. Only five, huh? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I love how they start by calling the father non-binary, but then they say that Jesus has two dads. Which is it? Um, is he non-binary or a male so he can be the father? This acid-induced theology is so convoluted. convoluted. Um, and... Regarding rainbow of gorgeous diversity, in Revelation 7, 9, it says, A great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language stands before the throne of God and the Lamb singing praise. And to me, this verse means praise of God, not praise of ourselves. So what God cares about here are two things. Is that one, you're human. Right. You're his creation. And two, that you worship him. That's it. That's kind of the whole theme of, uh, of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, and then they also mention AIDS quilt. Uh, I don't know about you, but I had to Google this one. 
According to Wikipedia, the AIDS quilt is a memorial to celebrate the lives of people who have died of AIDS-related causes. So um, what is supposed to be a holy dedication to God, once again, our narcissism, Dylan Mulvaney style, has made us mention a large piece of community folk art. And it is kind of interesting, I think, that um, only one disease is mentioned. I mean, it didn't... (laughs) Yeah, let's go down the list. It wasn't tuberculosis. There wasn't, uh, you know, an addendum to where we're adding COVID. There wasn't uh, um, the plague, um, you know, things like that. I mean, so... Or even COVID. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But we're in church to worship God. Again, the end. Uh, They go on to say, love is love is love. Uh, I think this is a mutilation of the word love. Um, Maybe what they mean is lust and desire. Could be. And then, um, you know, it ends in what could be a faint glimmer of uh, self-awareness. The author of the creed seems to admit that they really do not believe in the Christian faith by saying, help my un." belief. Now, what is the point of all this? It's a creed. The point of a creed is, um, is about confessing the truth and, uh, you know, believing in God. And this creed is just affirming ourselves with a bunch of buzzwords. And, uh, and it's turning transgenderism into a political movement or even a religion. And, um, you know, churches are bringing about these things to be more accessible to the community or more okay. relevant. But it's really a mockery. Yeah, it kind of, it kind of is. I mean, when you when you look at, um, uh, you know, theology, and it doesn't really matter uh, which religion that you're, that you're talking about, uh, a lot of, you know, religions, whether it's Judaism or Christianity or, or uh, Islam um, or Hinduism, you know, Buddhism, take take a take take an ancient um, uh, religion, and to to just arbitrarily mix it up um, seems a little um, a little unorthodox. I mean, well, I, where do you draw the line? Yeah, I mean, you know, the big the big thing when when uh, Martin Luther uh, nailed his his uh, um, uh, documents to the tree and outside the the town square, and 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 um, you have. Uh, the Protestant uh, faith, you know, kind of fracturing off uh, Catholicism. Uh, you know, the difference there was is is to say that you don't need the Pope, you don't need um, uh, a priest, or you don't have to be in the cathedral in order to talk to God. Right. God wants a relationship with you, and there should, you know, it, it's kind of like playing a game of telephone. Uh, it needs to be direct. Yeah, exactly. And and so, you know, to, to have that be the monumental shift uh, from Catholicism into the Protestant, um, you know, it, it it's not that big a leap. Right. It's not that big a leap. This no. seems that it's a it's a it's standing at the religion on its head and really kind of, as you said, making a mockery of it. Yeah. Um, I don't recall the verse in. I believe it's Revelation, but it basically says anything coming after this is not a true part of the Bible. Yeah, you know it's it's interesting. Um, it, it, it's interesting. When I was in Morocco, I was uh, talking to one of the embassy employees, 
and uh, we, you and I had just gotten back from uh, our trip to Israel, um, where we had an amazing time, beautiful, beautiful country. We um, got to go to Haifa, Tel Aviv, um, uh, Jerusalem, um, got to go all around the Sea of Galilee. Um, we had a, a private tour, um, and we uh, stopped at the locations um, that, that uh, Jesus uh, did his miracles. Um, and so it, it was it was amazing to see this as um, not only a pilgrimage, but a, a historical record of, of using the Bible as a historical document as well as a religious document. And we got back and I was, uh, uh, we'd go, actually, so let me back up, we'd gone to the Temple Mount um, and where the, the um, uh, you know, where Muhammad, uh, According, ascended to to, uh, to heaven and and uh, met a bunch of prophets along the way, including Moses and Jesus, and and uh, and came back down. And uh, so I was I was explaining um, to um, this embassy employee who who was a um, a Moroccan, and so he was hired hired by the embassy. Um, and, and U.S. embassies do that; they hire local nationals to to work in the embassy. And uh, he um, was Muslim. And so we got, kind of got to be talking about it, and he asked me if I believed all of that happened. And I said, you know, it's, it's, I, I do believe all of it happened. I mean, uh, Jesus walked the earth, and he, he did miracles. Moses, um, you know, did miracles and, 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 and got um, the Jews out of um, Egypt and, and, and helped found, you know, uh, Israel, um, you know, through obviously multiple kings and, and, uh, and, and conflicts, um, you know, throughout, uh, millennia, but still he said, well, you know, the, um, uh, the, uh, Quran said that, uh, that, you know, God came down and said, there's no other religions, uh, after this. And I said, well, that's kind of interesting because the Bible says the same thing. And um, Muhammad uh, had his epiphanies uh, 700 some odd years after mm-hmm. uh, the death of, of Jesus Christ. Um, and, you know, interestingly, when you look at um, the, the Mormon religion, mm-hmm. um, you know, they found, uh, and I'm not an expert on, on religion, but they found these, uh, these discs, um, you know, in uh, North America, and they've you know, it's God's word on, on these, uh, on these discs. And, and, and so again, he said, well, you know, that's, that can't be a religion because it came after Islam and, and God, you know, sealed the deal on Islam. And, and again, I re brought up the, the fact that, well, the Bible says the same thing, that, mm-hmm. that all, all religions yeah. after this are, are false. So, um, you know, it, it, uh, you know, who's right? I mean, it, it's obviously up to interpretation, but I would have to say the sparkle portion um, is is going down the wrong path. Well, thank you for joining us on Azimuth Podcast, and uh, have a great day. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy our show with all the stories we share, we would love your support. And it's as easy as clicking that subscribe or follow button. This will ensure you never miss an episode and keeps us bringing you these important stories. Your support makes a huge difference. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast family. Thanks, and keep tuning in. No, that is not our intro music. It is applause that one might hear instead of hand claps at a socialist convention or at a Democratic presidential campaign speech. 
Welcome back to Azimuth Podcast. I am Kimberly McNabb, and I am joined by my husband, Barrett. We're continuing our series on presidential candidates, and this time we're discussing a Democrat candidate, Marianne Williamson. She's an author, a speaker, and a spiritual leader who's making her second run for the presidency. Let's take a closer look at her background and key stance on issues, strengths, and weaknesses, and see what sets her apart. So let's watch her video from her website. I'm Marianne Williamson, and when I was growing up, America had a vibrant middle class. The average American worker had decent benefits, could afford a home, could afford a car, could afford a yearly vacation, could afford for one member of the couple to stay home if they wished, and could afford to send their kids to college. But over the last 50 years, there's been a massive transfer of wealth to the tune of $50 trillion from the bottom 90% of Americans to the top 1%, decimating America's middle class. We all owe President Biden a debt of gratitude for defeating President Trump in 2020. But with the things that they're going to be throwing at us in 2024, we need to submit to the American people an agenda of fundamental economic reform, universal health care, tuition-free colleges at state colleges and universities, higher education, including tech schools, paternity and maternity leave, free child care, and a guaranteed living wage. These are things that are considered moderate positions in every other advanced democracy. But in the United States, people have been trained to expect too little. The American people have been played. What the Democratic Party should do is to truly return to the principles of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Not just alleviate people's suffering, but offer them genuine economic reform. Not just help people survive in an unjust system. The Democratic Party should end an unjust system. Washington, D.C., with a few brave exceptions, is filled with two major categories of leaders, those who don't even care about all the suffering that's going on out there and those who do not have the moral courage to fix it. Let me in there. I will. I'm Marianne Williamson, and I approve this message. Well, Chris Christie, even Marianne, <laughs> as as a as a uh, a video that has some inspirational music and and uh, some talking points. So uh, let's get your team after it. But um, but yeah. So that was that was that was okay. I mean, th- there's mm-hmm. there's things yeah. in there. You know, there's. She actually said her name and like some candidates. She said who she was. Uh, she said why she was running. Um, uh, you know, she had some. Uh, good talking points. I mean, um, you know, some uh, who, who doesn't want to help the middle class. Um, so that's a you know, it's a, a great buzzword uh, to use. Um, but uh, you know, there are some things that um, you know, universal health care and, and things like that. Who pays for that? But still, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was well done. Um, it was present, which yep. is which is a huge um, a huge plus on her, her side. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how she's polling right now, but uh, but you know probably really not not that high. But still, Marianne Williamson, um, she started uh, as, as a, a spiritual leader and an author of self help books. Her journey into politics is marked by a commitment to bringing about change, and clearly we heard about some of that change in her video. One of her key platforms is the idea of an economic bill of rights, which includes a living wage, quality health care, and cost free higher education, affordable housing. And then wrap it all up, a clean environment. Williamson has been a vocal advocate for tackling climate change head on. She pledged to cancel projects like the Willow Project, 
work towards a clean environment, and move away from fossil fuel extraction. Well, on the topic of criminal justice reform, Williamson aims to bring down crime rates and end the prison industrial complex. She's also supportive of financial regulations, advocating for measures like the restoration of the Glass-Seagull Act to separate uh, commercial from investment banking. Another significant aspect of her platform is LGBTQIA rights. Williamson supports transgender individuals using the bathroom and participating in sports teams according to their gender identity. Well, while some stances uh, align with others and Democratic candidates, um, there are key differences that make her stand out. She's not in favor of a blank check for war in Ukraine, and she proposes reining in corporations through regulation as a means to tackle inflation instead of taxation. And her strengths include her effective use of social media platforms like TikTok, as well as having her own podcast. This can certainly help her connect with a younger audience. Additionally, her background as a public speaker and author makes her a skilled communicator. However, it's essential to consider the potential weaknesses. Marianne Wilmington lacks political experience, which can raise concerns about her ability to navigate complex policy issues. Well, that's true, and some critics point out that while she outlines ambitious programs, she does not always provide clear details on how to fund them. It's going to be through seance. (laughs) (laughs) Additionally, her association with New Age spirituality and her comparing the Israel-Palestine conflicts to Avatar, to James Cameron himself, has led to skepticism from many people. Well, there's another challenge on the horizon, with some speculating she might not have the opportunity to showcase her ideas with there not being a Democrat debate. Uh, you know, the Democrat Party has, uh, has said that Joe Biden is their nominee and that uh, they're not going to host any debates. And really, I, I see that as, as just, you know, messing with the democratic process i mean yeah, let, exactly. let, let people decide wrong. It's um just it just it's it's absolutely wrong um but with without there being a democrat debate uh making it diff- difficult for her to differentiate herself from president biden and rfk jr and so it's just going to be really hard um she's going to have to make the rounds uh i haven't heard her as min- maybe you have i don't know but i haven't heard her making the rounds as much as rfk mm-hmm. jr no. um who, who's really pounding the pavement oh, he's everywhere so I mean, he's he's trying to do a, a you know a good job, but um, you know we'll see what happens with her. But like I said, she at least uh, showed up to the party with a with a campaign video, and uh, so that's you know already you know a positive note. Um, uh, I just don't think she's going to go anywhere. Um, there's there's just not a lot of now maybe in her inner circles in California she's you know getting some buzz, but I just don't see her elevating herself on the national stage. Yep. Well, that's it, folks. Thanks for tuning in and stay informed. Hi, everyone. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy our show with all the stories we share, we would love your support. And it's as easy as clicking that subscribe or follow button. This will ensure you never miss an episode and keeps us bringing you these important stories. Your support makes a huge difference. Thank you so much for being part of our podcast family. Thanks and keep tuning in.